Good morning. Welcome, everyone, to the Ag Market Network uh, monthly cotton teleconference. This is our February 10th edition. I'm Pat McClatchy. Our sponsor for our program is Bayer Crop Science. We're joined today by our distinguished cotton panel, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Dr. John Robinson, Gerald Nieper, and leading us today, and also a member of our panel, Kip Butts. Kip, thanks for leading us today in our discussion of cotton. Well, thank you, Pat. Good morning, and uh, good morning, all the listeners. I want to uh, the leading today is going to be just more uh, going over the February uh, 9th supply and demand report from uh, from the WASI uh, USDA WASI department. And quite frankly, this report was much as expected. I don't think many people were looking for a lot of big changes and. Uh, that, that's a good thing because that's what we got. Um, beginning stocks in the world were just slightly reduced uh, to 60 uh, by 60,000 bales. Uh, production was increased 80,000. Mill use went up 760,000, and uh, the ending stocks were dropped 750,000 bales. From a world basis on that, that wouldn't and, and didn't really, I think, impact the market hardly at all. I think most people expected to see a uh, little change in the U.S. except for an increase in milieu, uh, excuse me, in exports, which we got from 12.5 million bales to 12.7. I don't think very many people were, were surprised about that at all. These strong export sales have, uh, quite frankly, been, to me, a bit surprising, uh, the strength, but in fact, uh, it is what it is, and this, even this week, with uh, May at uh, contract highs, we sold a little over 200,000 bales. Uh, in this report, I should say, it was actually for the week before. And um, that's just an indication that demand is strong for, uh, for the U.S. cotton. But the fact that we did uh, sell a bit less, about 35,000, uh, 35% less the week before, it, this may be a level where mills are wanting to sort of balk at those prices. Um, sorry, let me go back now to the supply and demand. I got a little, uh, little ADD there for a moment. Um, some of the bigger changes in the world, uh, specific places in the world where India saw an increase in mill use. I think that is partially uh, due to this demonetization scheme that's going on in India. Just recently, they've allowed um, a bit more of the uh, money redemption, so you could get more money out of the bank uh, per week. There's a limit still, but it's a much higher limit. So that's brought more cotton to the uh, uh, to the Mandis for the uh, farmer cotton for arrivals. So consequently, there's more cotton moving there. Which means the mills will be uh, will be using a bit more cotton than what they would have ordinarily. What was happening before was because of the monetary restrictions. Farmers were holding a bit of this cotton back, and it was just sort of coming to the market slowly. Uh, this moving a little quicker should increase the uh, the mill use. However, that their increase that USJ may may be a little bit aggressive because the retailers there are having trouble selling it for the same reason. The consumers don't have uh, the money available, and so they're, in fact, uh, cutting back on some of their purchases. The money they have is going to more necessities than it is to uh, to as much apparel and textiles. Um, China production was increased to half a million bales. That went directly to their ending stocks, which brings us to a, a pretty good part of this report, I think, Foreign stocks outside of China went down about a million bales, and that's pretty good. Uh, that, that, it's an indication of where we want to go. 
is getting those stock levels down, which will help prices over the long haul. Uh, maybe not dramatically, but it's certainly beneficial. We saw a few consumption increases to, uh, to good uh, areas like Bangladesh and Vietnam had a couple of increases, and um, imports were increased, not surprisingly, to Pakistan because their crop went down a little bit, and uh, they needed to, they're getting a lot more imports. Fortunately, those are coming from the U.S., and it's also impacting their domestic market as far as the pricing. So um, looking at this supply-demand report, I don't see a whole lot in here that was, was particularly exciting. Um, but it, if anything, it has to be seen as very modestly supportive for prices are certainly not, uh, certainly not bearish. So I guess just as far as the supply-demand report, that's, that's about all I wanted to talk about. Does anyone else have anything on there that I might have missed or you want to uh, kind of expand on? It, it yeah, let, let me expand a little bit on, on on exports. I know you and I have talked a number of times, and I've been a little more aggressive than others. Uh, and and to split hairs a little bit, uh, literally just 60 days ago, 65 days ago, USDA was at 12 million bale exports. In the last three reports, they've increased 700,000 bales, which is uh, – in, in 60 plus days is a pretty huge increase and I've been a little negative t t about USDA being so slow to jump on the export wagon uh, I, I don't want to come off you know too negative because they do an outstanding job but uh, I think it does tell us that this crop we have out here in the US is so competitive worldwide that, that these exports are just flying out of here and I don't see why they that that export rate won't continue at least for another another month and probably I would say at least two months uh, as the sale rate. So I I still think we've got some more positive to, on the upside with respect to exports. Though uh, uh, you know in them increasing another two hundred this month, it's it's very positive. I would just would like would like to see them take a bigger bite out of that pie and not just piecemeal it month after mm -hmm. month. But uh, Thank you very much for your comments. I don't think that we really disagree at all. It's just the way I view it. No, and you've been on this uh, early on, OA. I, um, I've been a little less uh, optimistic than you have on the exports. But, uh, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. As I said, 200000 last week with May at contract highs. is <laughs> you got to be impressed yep. with that. It tells me that yep. the demand out there is certainly better than at least particularly my 60 days ago or so. I was uh, more in line with USDA. I don't know how much more we need to increase it, but the, you just, the evidence says it's more likely to go up than down here, at least in the short term, simply because of right. the patterns right. we're seeing now. And, 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 and 200000 last week uh, with, with, with contract highs and China was on the holiday. Right. Uh, and and right. it was really not in the market. I think they, what, they bought 3,000 bales or something like that, not, not yeah. much. But, Inconsequential, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Thank you again. Certainly. John, any thoughts or Gerald? Uh, no, other than this was the report that I was expecting last month, you know, just the, not with the production increase, but a bump in, in exports. So I'm only off a month. So. All right. I, I kind of think that uh, um, we'll eventually see somewhere around 13.3 in exports. I don't know if it'll hit 13.5 or, or not, but I think 13.3 is, is, is very doable. 
which would take ending stocks down a little bit further, um, offset, of course, I think, by probably an, an additional increase in, in Texas in terms of their production. You know, you probably, uh, from, from what I'm hearing, you know, maybe another maybe another 200,000, perhaps even 300,000 bales additional cut out of, out of Texas. Joe, that's a great comment. As, as I recall, uh, was thinking about it last night, the USDA historically, and, and John, y'all correct me in heartbeat, historically does not do much with production in the month of February. If they feel it's out there, they still wait before they report it, not saying that they report things inaccurately or anything like that. It's just systematically how they've operated over the years. Uh, but I was, uh, while I wasn't necessarily expecting a crop, an increase in crop size, I think we're going to see that as we move a little further through as they get into ginning more and more of those modules. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, generally they, they, they wait for the ginnings data to come in and start directing their, their thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing the same thing, Gerald, is a two hundred to 300,000 bale increase. shouldn't surprise people. I continue to hear just record yields, uh, particularly uh, west of Lubbock around that Seminole area and through there, just more and more. Um, I you know, heard it for a while, and I thought, well, it'll finally go away, but it just keeps going. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know, a pretty good increase there, which, again, uh, kind of supports Gerald's thoughts <clears throat> Excuse me for a, a 13 plus million bill export number. If you've got it, we're going to, you know, we're going to sell it. And uh, I've just been, uh, the surprise has been how strong the demand has been at these price levels. We just keep going up. And, yes, they're slowing down, but not the degree you might think. And that's a good point you make, Gerald, about the uh, the, uh, the ending stocks. Uh, probably not changing because uh, while the exports will grow, the crop size is going to grow a little bit just in, in real numbers. Right. We'll probably end up somewhere right around four and a half million bales. But, uh, yeah. y- you know, isn't it amazing? You know, this time a year ago, we were on our way to 54 cents with a 13 million bale crop, <laughs> three and a half million bales and, and carryover. And now we've got a 17 plus million bale crop. Mm-hmm. Four and a half to five million bale carryover, and we're sitting at seventy six cents. I mean, well, you've got I, the Trump I, effect. I, I don't, I don't know what the I, who knows what fundamentals are anymore. You know, what does that mean? What's the fundamentals? <laughs> That's right. You know, what's the fundamentals have to do with it? Bigger the crop, the higher the price. Well, now realistically, there are fun, there's fundamental support to this, and that you know Pakistan has a smaller crop than we thought at that point, and uh, we've got this Indian deal that slowed down the uh, the crop movement. So as far as the actual fundamental, I, I'm not going to say that's 100 percent of it, but we could sit here and argue that there are a few things out here that might have. I think the big deal really is just a strong demand. That's what to me I, I've just been the the quality of the U.S. crop and the ability to price it in the world has really been the difference I think in this whole. You're 100% correct as far as I'm concerned. I totally Yeah, agree. and that's, prob- that's probably what's contributing to the, to the exports. I mean, one out of every three bales classed is a 31, 3, 36 better and longer, you know, 28 minimum GPT. One out of every three U.S. bales classed. Um, that's quite uh, astounding. Best deal on the world market. You can't beat it. Well, no. That's it. Well, we've got some questions that have come in. A question for OA, your estimates on Mid-South 
uh, in Delta Acreage this year coming up and also in the southeast? Well, I think probably in both of those uh, locations we'll be up uh, in the neighborhood of 100,000 acres. Okay. Uh, what in any talk about overseas acres? I mean, what are we looking for an increase there? Uh, yes, uh, we, we 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 will see an increase, probably in the neighborhood of about five percent, uh, basically across the board. We were looking at some increases in China. I don't think that we'll see them now, but uh, given that their yields have improved and grain prices are struggling, we could see that. I think the increase would be small. Uh, we're I very still, much agree with that know, on the China situation. No, I was going to okay. say, I just wanted to chime in and say, I agree, you, you've said almost almost exactly the way I would say it. We'll get an increase, but it'll be small, and it's primarily due to the uh, to the increases in yields. That's Otherwise, I think we would have seen either an unchanged or slightly lower area in China, but that's changed quite a bit, particularly because of those yields there. Yeah. We'll, we, you know, we'll try to see a little increase in Australia, but that crop is, the, the, the old crop's just now getting ready for harvest, so we've got a long way to go. <laughs> we've got to wait till we get into November before we start planting the new crop. Uh, uh, so, so you know, it's too early, but we could probably see a bit of an increase. They, they're selling very well. Oh, I mentioned too several African countries. I think I mean, these are not going; these are on the margin. But I, I would expect to see increases in Zimbabwe and Benin, Burkina Faso. There's been movement in several of these African countries to devote a little bit more money to uh, back into cotton, which it, it had been absent for the last few years. And there seems to be uh, a movement to move back in. And so we'll see some area increases there. I would expect to see another increase in Pakistan uh, because of these good prices we've seen now. I think part of these farmers have moved back into that. Uh, although sugar's providing a bit of competition there, I think we're going to wind up getting an increase in Pakistan as well from where we are this year, I mean. Any, um, any thoughts on why December cotton is so strong? We talked a little bit about that before we got started today. December's at 74.12 right now. Uh, anybody got any ideas on that? No, no but we're certainly going to bring... Go ahead, please. Yeah, go ahead, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought Gerald started. Well, I started to say something, but it wasn't uh, very <laughs> very meaningful. It, uh, <laughs> no. Have no idea why we're up here, but uh, it's certainly going to help bring bring more acres than we think back into uh, back into production here in, in the U.S. Um, well, the follow up question is, and every for for you, Gerald, and, and everybody, the question on every farmer's mind is, what should they do? Should they be booking the crop? Should they be hedging the crop? What what should they be doing? Um, well, go ahead, I, go ahead, go ahead. I think at seventy-four cents, it's it's it's, it's hard to ignore that. Um, you probably ought to be doing something. That's for sure. Um, you know, this the, the the springtime. I think it looks like it's going to be a, a pretty decent time to to get something uh, uh, put away. And uh, you know, the higher these prices go, the the more likely that uh, if they continue to rise. Uh, the more likely that uh, you know we're going to see even more acres than than we think, and so, and once that's 
those acres are in the ground. You know, it might take till the June planning report to really see what the true impact of these higher prices are. Uh, we may not see that in the, in the March planning intentions report, but, uh, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we end up at, you know, 11 and a half million acres, if not more. I'm in agreement with those kind of numbers. I mean, it's hard to, you know, put a fine pencil to it at this point, but these prices are good. Prices have been up uh, for December so far in February, so the the uh, insurance prices are going to be up a bit better than they have been in the past. I think that's going to, you know, attract some acreage. We've had good yields. Farmers have got good prices. Before the uh, the uh, meeting started here, we were just discussing some of these wonderful contracts that are out there right now. And uh, with some of the contracts that are out there, I think these farmers need to be booking an awful lot, if not all, of their crop and um, and get some of this hedging done incrementally. Uh, I think that I think National Cotton Council, did they come out this weekend with their number? Isn't it this weekend? Tomorrow? Yeah, yeah Saturday. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, and, of yeah, course, their survey would have taken place, what, mid-December through maybe first week of, of January, something like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. So you, you know you weren't quite there yet, but uh, but I think even at really, that point, even at that point in time, there was there was some pretty good enthusiasm. Exactly. So I think we'll, they'll show us a pretty good. And that might that might give us a little either a plateau or a modest pressure on December. Uh, I know we may have jumped the gun a bit here. We started at seventy one fifty, did a little bit of selling, uh, a little bit of hedging actually, and then did some more right at seventy four cents. But uh, I think incrementally, we tend sometimes to say, oh, it's going up, it's going to go up forever. I think getting in this market incrementally, or if you can get one of these really good contracts, uh, John, you may want to expand on that a little bit because you, you had some, some good information about that before the meeting here. But I think farmers ought to be looking at, uh, at, at pulling trigger on this and not getting too, uh, too caught up and, realize, and thinking that it's going to be going a lot higher because it, yeah, I just – I'm surprised with where we are now, so make me hesitant to think we're going to go a lot higher. And and I think there's a risk. I think Gerald was sort of going here. You know, by the time the June acreage report comes around, I certainly don't expect these these cash forward contract base base basis bases that we're seeing of that are really historically kind of narrow. I've I've heard three and a half off December for for acre type contracts. I've had I've heard others four off, five off, but you know a typical basis out here is you know six or seven off, depending on the, the quality of uh, what they're what they're contracting. Um, they're doing a lot of business uh, reportedly, and they're still offering those things. But I don't think we have the expectation out here that that that's going to last. That that business is going to last, and those opportunities are going to last. So um, particularly after we see how big of a crop is. Is coming, um, which again we won't know till June. But I would be I would be taking some action. You know, I'd, I'd be I'd be doing some contracting, and I'd be thinking about you know put spread kind of things with December at seventy four. Um, you could be locking in a meaningful kind of minimum cash price situation. Um, I'd, I'd be thinking about all those things. John, I, I think you're right. Pat, if I may just for a moment uh, jump around a little bit looking at, at what's been said. Uh, offering an acreage contract, that I have to admit, you all caught me off guard with that. I, I have missed that. But 
you're offered an acreage contract and go back and dig up an old person's word like me. Uh, you talking hog ground? You talking? I'll take everything you got. Uh, and 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 it, at three hundred off, uh, and today's yields. Uh, you look at that, and which we start forecasting plantings, and we start looking at prices down the road. And you asked me early on about acreage in the, in the mid south, southeast, and I said up a hundred thousand. Yesterday morning, I got up with the idea that the absolute highest. The largest planting number we would see would be 11.1 million acres, and Gerald throws out today it could be as high as as 11.5. And Kip says, you know, I think you might be right. Uh, and and uh, an acreage contract would support that. And uh, a hundred thousand acre increase in in the mid south. Yesterday I did start in the afternoon as I worked on some of that. I decided that acreages could uh, well surpass what I had been thinking in both the mid south and southeast. Talking about prices, the good contracts that are out there. And John mentioned that those those hog round acreage contracts in West Texas, the uh, southeast just you're seeing uh, 150 on, maybe more for 40 ones. Uh, to book, uh, and uh, uh, the Mid-South is up maybe close right at 300 on for 31s to book. Uh, those numbers yelled to plant some more cotton, and, and it's caught me off guard, I'd be totally honest. We are now at 74 cents in the upper one-third of the price range for cotton. And any time a grower can get in the upper one third, it's time to do some serious pricing. It, uh, <laughs> Gerald, if you recall, we were belt wide and the deck got up to uh, around seventy three cents. And I said, "Hey, let's get. Uh, we need price at least a quarter of what we're going to produce, <clears throat> and we need to go ahead and price a half of what we uh, of the of what we are thinking now. We might uh, a, a half more." of uh, what we're going to plant today versus what we thought just two weeks ago. So I, I'm ready to go a minimum of 25% where we are now. And on top of that, I would probably step in and go ahead and buy some puts for another 25%, but go ahead and fix the price on a full quarter of it and buy puts for at least another quarter of it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Anybody else want to comment on that? I think it's great advice. I, I might I even be a little more that. aggressive and get a little bit more done than what he does, but I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. Thank you, Kip. Seriously, I mean, I, you know, I step out there and say that, and I feel like I'm being <laughs> too aggressive. So, you know, to hear someone say, "Oh, well, you're not aggressive enough," that uh, makes no, me feel you know, oh, oh, wait, you <laughs> Oh wait! You said that at Beltwide. When you said that at Beltwide last month, we we brought that up. I think it was just Kip and me on the call. But last month we recollected what you said at Beltwide, and we agreed with it then. And that's when ah, okay. that's when the cotton price situation was. Well, they're going to plant more cotton because grains are so lousy. Now it's like we're going to plant more cotton because it looks good. You know, I mean, there's <laughs> it's like the the momentum and the enthusiasm of this has ratcheted up. In a, in a relatively short period of time, that's the way it feels to me. So I, I would think, I would think we should do. I'm kind of agreeing with Kip. We should maybe do more than what you're saying because the situation, you know, the prices are higher. These basis offerings are terrific, and uh, I well, think yeah. I, folks should take advantage of that. Yeah, and, and we are in again at the upper one third. Go ahead, Kip. I'm sorry. No, no, no. The, the point is, and I, I think it, I don't want this to go <clears throat> unnoticed. 
these great contracts tend to only exist for short periods of time. Mm -hmm. and, and we really get upset and we go, oh, we missed that one. So John made this point earlier, and I, I don't want it to be, you know, uh, kind of dismissed. But that's important that we recognize this is a good contract, and we need to, we need to, what's the expression, you know, you <clears throat> and jump all the irons hot or whatever it is. I can't remember. That's why I mixed the metaphor again. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that we got to keep that in mind. Kip, if I can echo even further, I mean, you mentioned it twice, but I want to come back and hit it again. Uh, your comment that we can't emphasize enough how important it is to act early in this regard because probably, and I don't know this, but probably the merchants are out there looking for X amount of acreage to do at this rate. And as soon as they hit that, that level, they're going to stop. So right. these contracts, as John said and as Kip said, they're probably very short-lived. Uh, I, I don't, certainly don't want to mislead anyone, but that's that's typically how it works. They could come back if they don't. If they go go back to their office and find out they still need more cotton, they'll come back and offer something again. It may not be that good. It may be better, but by and large, they will cut them off. All right, we we've got another subject here, and we've talked about it. In, it seems like in recent months, and that's about this sizable amount of cotton that's unfixed, the mills have, have unfixed. What, when is the day of reckoning on this, or what, what What are our thoughts on old crop and what that might eventually do to old crop prices? Well, I'm going to defer to Gerald on that. Go ahead, Kip. I think you started to <laughs> Well, go ahead, Gerald. Uh, let's let's, <laughs> let's we'll just bounce this thing along here, will <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I, that's all I got to say. You know, these wills. I, I don't know how long they can they can push this thing off. Uh, you know, there. It looks like they may even be trying to push some stuff off into into May right now from their from their March requirements. And uh, you, I don't know how long you can push this stuff off. So the day of reckoning is probably going to be between the 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 May and the July contract expirations. Right. right. The, most of these contracts, as I understand it, and Gerald, you're in a better position than I am for this. Most of these on-call contracts have to be done the day before first notice day. They have to be fixed or rolled at that point. And I do, yes. it does appear these mills are just kicking the can down the road, so to speak. Um, and the day of reckoning, I hope, doesn't come. You know, the first notice day in July, but because most of these contracts, as I understand it, end with the crop year. Uh, Although there, I'm sure there are some exceptions to that, but typically I, I think that's a general rule. Uh, the, the problem is that, you know, from a hedging perspective, mills that have this on-call position should be doing it as a, a hedge sort of operation. In reality, most of these, for one of a better word, is they're speculating on the market. They expect prices to go down. Uh, and that's where they get caught up in this, uh-oh, We've either got to fix it, roll it, or in some cases try to cancel it, depending on the price levels. And I think therein lies some risk that we could uh, – we're seeing an excellent export program here. Uh, and the longer this thing goes, the more in jeopardy uh, I think the, the strength of those contracts actually become. Although the flip side is they just have to come in at some point and say, I'm going to fix it all. And prices typically go up because – 
uh, this is a public number. Everybody knows it, and when everyone knows someone short, they tend to like to punish them. That's the way the market acts and reacts. But uh, I don't know. That's uh, We've seen a lot of spreading here the last several days in this market. Uh, I think yesterday, 80-odd percent minimum of the uh, activity was in spreading. So I think these guys have moved, these mills have moved a lot of its position now. But to Gerald's point, it's just, you know, we're just kicking it down the road. It's it's the day of reckoning has to come where they have to either, you know, I'm going to use that old expression, you know, get on with it or get off the pot. But that may be where we are. Yeah, and I, I, I agree totally. I think, I think they totally are kicking it down the road. And I personally tend to think it's going to go all the way to, if not first notice day in July, it'll go into the July contract. They'll still be rolling in May. And uh, as they roll, uh, it, it you know, we continue to look at that number. It continues to stay large. And when they could have fixed that price back at 71 and a half, 72, and they just thought 72 and a half was too high, they're now looking at probably fixing it around 74 cents, maybe. And you know, I, I, in other words, I think a week or two or three weeks from now we'll 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 see uh, March. I mean, May back off and then charge to 70. Try to go to 78 cents again. And boy, when May backs off to 74 cents, assuming it ever does, or even just 75 flat, even or certainly below 75, they better jump on it. And that in itself is going to keep May from going too low. That'd be like throwing a can of gasoline on a fire, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, well, that... they'll get stuck having the prices at seventy-seven, seventy-eight. I mean, they themselves will be responsible for running it up above the current resistance level. Well, well that well, leads thing... to the next question. Go ahead. Uh, what I was to say was we've only talked about one side of this uh, imbalanced position, and that is the on-call position. The other thing people don't speak a whole lot about is the near record long spec position. Right. That right. thing is huge. And so, I mean, we have the biggest on-call position we've ever seen, but we also have the biggest spec position. So these are kind of offsets to each other. I personally uh, don't – I think the spec has – um, a bit more staying power, typically a lot more money. So I think the question is who blinks first here? Uh, and I believe it's, it's sort of a waiting. I don't think it's a Mexican standoff between each other. They're you know on opposite sides of the. Uh, they're not opposing each other, but those positions offset each other. So we could be in a scenario where, although it's it's very dangerous to have this on call position. We've also got a huge offset. If these specs decide to get out, the the uh, mills are going to be happy as clams. But I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. I think I think the uh, the specs are the ones who realize the situation and they're going to hold that long position and wait to see what the mills have to do. And that's very interesting, Kip. And I mean, another way to put that in it, I mean, it's saying exactly the same thing you said, but. When will the uh, specs become impatient and want to get their money? Do what kind of a sell-off or what kind of a you know back back backing off in price? How, how long are the specs going to stay in? How impatient will they be as if we don't break seventy-eight cents? Uh, you know they've got great profits made now. 
Right. One of the things I've looked at with that, and I think they have pretty good staying power, uh, particularly now if you look at the, the Bloomberg uh, Commodity Index, uh, specs are coming into commodities right now. Uh, they're moving in. They're excited about the potential for inflation. Uh, if some of these Trump policies, if we ever really learn what they are, uh, if if it does create uh, some growth, then we expect to see some inflation with that. And commodities are a good offset for inflation. So I think we're seeing investment with that, which I think will provide the specs a little more time and more patience than they might otherwise have. I think it's a good point about the patients, but I think in this scenario they may be more patient than, than they might ordinarily be or that we might think. So okay. that's just something else to toss out there. And, you know, something else that may put a little bit of a, a damper on, on the enthusiasm, is, you know, these certificated stocks will just con- are just going to continue to grow. You know, how large they get, I, I don't know, but, you know, they're, they were up another 22,000 bales last night or yesterday, so you're sitting at 260. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we end up somewhere around a half a million bales in certificated stocks. That's more a function of differences, though, I think, than flat price necessarily. But well, still, no, no, no. You're you're exactly you're exactly correct. I mean, uh, you can. That doesn't necessarily say anything about the absolute price level. It is a function of the differences, but it does start to say something about um, the uh, what the physical price is doing out there. If it's if it's uh, exactly if, if you can if it's better to sell it on the board than you can get you know from a textile mill. That starts to put a little bit of uh, I think worry in the marketplace. I couldn't agree more. You're right. Let's go around and, and talk about price projections for old crop and new crop. Uh, John, give us start off with you. Give us your projections on where you think this old crop and new crop can go. I think old crop is supported. Kind of going to OA's discussion, um, seventy-four to eighty, um, I, I would say, and. The new crop situation, I put a pretty wide range around, but uh, I think last month I said 63 to 78, and um, just uh, I'll stick with that to allow for various contingencies, good and bad. Kip, what are your thoughts? I um, I'm in a scenario again where I pretty much agree with what what John is saying. I I. It, it's hard right now to come up with what I feel a really good range because we're, we're at these extreme measures for the on-call position. If everything was right with that, we could this thing could explode to, gosh, who knows, 85 cents or, or some level that we all sit here and get dizzy about. Uh, so the upside is pretty scary to me as far as that as a as a potential. But the downside, I, I mean, for uh, current crop, I'm thinking maybe 72, 73 cents, although that, to my gut, thinks that, that might be a little bit low. But uh, in the upside, I just, I've just got to, I don't know where to put that in. A new crop, I, uh, I kind of like the range of, uh, uh, we've got to keep a wide range out there because there's so much, uh, I'm more inclined to look to the low end of um, a low 60 kind of market. Uh, Mid seventies is uh, a reasonable, maybe seventy-eight, even eighty cents. But uh, for the upside on that, given potential for the crops not to do as well as we think they should during the growing season. Okay, Gerald, what are your thoughts on that? Um, 
just ditto the um you know we you can draw a trend line however you want to but uh, at least on the continuation chart the way i would draw it is we've got resistance this month on the nearby contract around 77.70 if you can get through there um then you've got a shot to to uh to fill in that gap, I think it was somewhere around 78 and a quarter to 79.10, something like that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's these big round numbers are, are so uh, so appealing to folks that if, if you could get up close to or exceed 80 cents, you know, who knows, you know, where this market might go. Um, particularly, like you said earlier, Kip, with the on-call sales position. You know, new crop, uh, I really felt like, 72 to 74 cents was going to hold this thing in, in check. But if, if old crop continues to go, you know, you certainly got to 76 to 78 cents as a, as a potential uh, target out there. And uh, then on the downside, it just depends on how this crop progresses over the, over the year. It's hard to imagine that we would, we're going to duplicate these unbelievable conditions that we had this year here in the United States, as far as growing conditions are concerned, and, and uh, um, but you know, you, you might. I'm only penciling in seventeen three this next year for for a crop, but uh, I, I already think that that's too low. Um, you, you know, you've got to be you got to be focusing on on eighteen to, to twenty million bales, and if you got eighteen to twenty million bales out there. Um, <laughs> I, I hate to say that I, I don't know what fundamentals are, but you, you would certainly be having to think that we're going to dip back into the 60s at some point on the December contract. All right. Away. First, I congratulate John for going first, even though he was <laughs> called on to go first. This is a very difficult <laughs> issue. I mean, this is a tough one. I congratulate all my guys, my friends, and say, you know, I've heard my friends, and I agree with them. Uh, it, it, old crop, uh, the, the, the most negative thing there that I could come up with would be if for some reason, whatever it might be, if the specs turn negative on the old crop, uh, they hold such a massive position, uh, we could drop down to 70 cents, uh, you know, maybe even 69. I, I don't see a, uh, I owed a, of thought that, I mean, a reality that that could occur, but it could if specs turn negative so in light of just them becoming marginally negative or beginning to close out positions and take profits normally probably 72 cents on the bottom side uh, uh, on the top side like Gerald and Kip both said if things just uh, go wild uh, uh, and, 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 and mills continue to kick the can further down the road harder and further uh, and specs see gaps getting close to being closed. You get close to the to 80 cents. Like as Gerald said, you're going for the round numbers. We'll go ahead and trade in five cent increments. We go above 80 cents. Realistically, uh, I'm somewhere at the at the current resistance, 77, 78 cents on the top side, and somewhere down 73 and a half, maybe 74 on the bottom side. New crop. The uh, long long range weather people tell me that condition should be normal, whatever that is, uh, for the current season, uh, and consequently we would not expect to have the long fall we had, uh, so we would not see the huge yields that we had this year. 
but we are going to see this uh, big acreage number. I think it's focusing more and more toward reality. So I think on the top side, 76, 6.78 cents maximum, we're close to it. Uh, and, you know, I've probably got to go down around 64 cents on the bottom side. If we do get the bigger crop, if we do have better weather, uh, we go we go below 65 cents anyway. All right. Any other comments? Okay. Well, uh, before we wrap this up, I want to mention to everybody, next month is going to be kind of an unusual month. We're going to do a special broadcast uh, from the uh, Mid-South Farm and Gin Show uh, in Memphis. It'll be... And what's one thing that's unusual is going to be on a Saturday when we broadcast, that's on March the 4th at 11 o'clock. We'll make sure everybody knows about it in advance. But March the 4th, Saturday, 11 o'clock, we'll be doing a broadcast from uh, the Farm and Gin Show. And uh, first time we've done that, so we look forward to that. Also, we're going to try to do, that's going to be a special broadcast. We're going to try to stay on schedule and do uh, our regular broadcast, which will be on the 10th of March for those in our group. We understand if you, if you can't make it, but we, we're going to try to do that also. Uh, unusual times we, we're in, and we think we need to stay on top of the market, so we're going to try to do that. So that's it. Let's wrap up the meeting by thanking our sponsor, Bear Crop Science, thanking our cotton panel, uh, and, and special thanks to Kip for leading our discussion today. And that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thanks. Thanks, Pat.